8 o'clock. Thanks for joining us. Jam of the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. Most trusted name in automobiles. Holiday edition of our show. Today through the rest of the week will be off at 9 o'clock. And coming up at 10 o'clock this morning, right here on the Team Sports Network, we'll have coverage of the Camellia Bowl, Georgia Southern Buffalo. That'll be followed by the Birmingham Bowl, 445 today. Camellia Bowl at 10, Birmingham Bowl at 445, and that's Coastal Carolina against East Carolina. So a couple of bowl games heading your way today right here on the Team Sports Network. Nathaniel Hackett gets fired. Your reaction to that? Who do you want to be the Broncos' next head coach? We'll have a pole dancing coming up, our top five NFL. Top five picks for being the Broncos' next head coach. And our top five uh, favorite sports stories of 2022 as we head toward the start of 2023. So uh, text or call us today on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, 970-242-1340. Love to hear from you uh, today. Your thoughts about Nathaniel Hackett getting fired. Got one from the guru this morning. Good morning, guys. Hope your Christmas was awesome. Likewise to you and uh, Trudy uh, Guru. I, I kind of been covering for Russell Wilson with the loss of Lyman and Javante, etc. But man, he made some really bad reads and even worse throws versus the Rams. Hope they can get a better offensive scheme for next year. Let us hope. Roll Tacos listening on the mobile app today. <laughs> Jim, please don't do your Lou Holtz invitation. They get scared thinking you're having a stroke. Fair enough, Roll Tacos. We'll, we'll give Lou Holtz a, a break for a while. We'll do that. Uh, let's see. Larry from Clifton. Larry was in early yesterday morning, Which, apparently. Too. We, we were not here yesterday, Larry, but uh, thank you. Hackett should be fired immediately. And he, he was yesterday. He was. <laughs> to lose 51-14 is embarrassing. Then to make a statement to say the team wasn't ready is even worse. Wilson should be benched for the rest of the year. The Broncos made Baker Mayfield look like a Pro Bowl quarterback that has won a Super Bowl. The Rams only didn't score one time, and that was when they kneeled down at the end of the game. And today is a good day in Broncos countries. Mood yep. changed. Hackett decided his own fate when he said that the team wasn't ready to play the Rams. And so we got one from Robert. Let's see, um, yesterday, Mark Ryan from the Zach Gelb show on the team had a great summation of the Broncos. It is so dire who in their right mind would want to coach this team. Somebody will. Yeah, there's there's some rube out there that wants a <laughs> NFL head coaching on his resume. Just not Jero Averro. Some of that has to do with his relationship with Hackett. Because come on, he's they're they're buddies. He brought him in. They coach together, well, play together at UC Davis. And and so there's that eh, that's my guy. I can't do that to him. Plus also if you're Jiro Vero, do you want to take on this dumpster fire for the next two weeks? See, Jerry Rosberg, he doesn't care. I mean, this is fine. He'll, he'll be the interim coach for the next two weeks. He has no aspirations to be the head coach of this team moving forward. And if you're a Jiro Vero, I'm much more okay with the decision-making being, yeah, I don't really want this poop stain on my resume. And the interim head coach is very unlikely to get the job going forward rather than... I don't want to do it because you fired my friend. You're not going to last very long in the NFL in the upper-tier coaching levels if you're like, sorry, I can't do this job because you fired my friend. 
the report that I read did say that that was part of his decision, but it was down the priority, the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. It was down the list. It was, and by the way, he's my buddy. Yeah. But it was, do I really want to take this over for two games? Have it get worse? Are you telling me though? I'm not you, you. Yeah, but yeah. I'm like not saying that was the number one or thing. whatever. This report. Are you really telling me that he's not going to take the interim job and? Then also, if he's not going to take the interim job, he shouldn't interview for the full time job because they fired his friend. Yeah, that's there to was, me. From what like, I read, really, multiple outlets reported there was reluctance on his part because of the relationship that Hackett brought him in, and he didn't feel like the timing was right to do that. But let's be, and I think that's some cover to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to take this over because number one, his defense got gashed on Sunday. Yeah. And he wants to focus on it because he said, well, I want to focus on that side of the football for the rest of the season. Well, yeah, because you now have to kind of re- mm-hmm. take the magic eraser, you know, and and clean off that, that, that poop schmear yeah. from Sunday and have hopefully a couple of back-to-back good efforts against the Chiefs and Chargers coming up where people still feel like you're a boy genius and they still want to hire you. There's still a young, bright guy that knows that side of the football, mm-hmm. head coaching material, you know, I, Right now, it, it, all it does for him is damage his reputation. If he takes on the head coaching job, the defense continues to falter mm-hmm. and looks worse and worse, and they lose the next two games, and they're like, well, maybe that guy's not so smart after all. Maybe he's not Maybe he's not head coaching material. Yeah, It just damages his resume. But I think it's it's convenient cover to say, guy's my friend. He's my buddy. Don't want to do They brought me in. I don't want to do that to him. I think it makes... It makes it's it's a convenient excuse mm-hmm. to pass on being the head coach. All right, so if you got some thoughts on who you'd like to replace Nathaniel Hackett, I'm I'm a little surprised that they pulled the trigger a little bit. Two games left to go in the season, but it was so bad. That was how bad it was Sunday, yeah. though, that they felt as an ownership group compelled to get rid of him. If it was 31-14, he's probably still the head coach. Probably. 51? 50-burger. On national TV. Yeah, that's not good. In front of... All right, we're done with Nance, this. Nance and Romo. Yeah, not good. Not good. All right, time to talk Colorado Mesa men's basketball with Mike DeGeorge. Talking Colorado Mesa men's hoops with Mavs coach Mike DeGeorge on the team. And with us right now, the Chick-fil-A Breakfast team phone line. He's the coach of the Colorado Mesa men's basketball team, Mike DeGeorge. Mike, hope you had a wonderful Christmas. How are you doing today? Uh, doing well, Jim. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, you uh, headed into that Christmas break with a really strong performance, uh, knocking off Adam State 74-65. to Trevor Baskin, 15 points, 10 rebounds. The double-double played uh, really well in that game. Another outstanding game from Blaze Threat as well with 13 points, 4 assists, and 3 steals. But I want to talk about Mick McCurry a little bit because Mick came off the bench, career-high 13 points, hit 3 out of 4 field goal attempts. Uh, Mick McCurry is a guy that I know that you really like coming off the bench, can provide a little bit of a, an offensive uh, splash for you uh, when he gets into the basketball game. Yeah, after that bad weekend several weeks ago, we lost to both Mines and Metro. Uh, you know, we kind of reevaluated some things, and one of the things we decided to try was moving Owen Coons more to the perimeter, and then using Mick as in a more consistent role off the bench as kind of our third big. He does have the physicality to guard down there, and uh, he can stretch the floor with his shooting, and he's you know executes at a high level our concepts. So. Um, we felt like just making an investment, getting him a consistent role. He started to get more and more comfortable on the floor, 
And what we saw against Adam State is what we see in practice a lot. And not, it's not going to do nothing but help his confidence grow. And, and uh, hopefully he's established himself in a consistent role here off the bench for us and, and given us another physical body off the bench that can shoot. Yeah, I think that's always been something about watching Mick come off the bench is there's, I mean, he's, when I've seen him, it's been, you know, a guy that lo- is looking for his opportunity to shoot threes, but he does bring a very physical nature uh, to the floor. He does have that. There's a little bit of that uh, that that grit, that toughness that Mick McCurry brings in uh, to your lineup when he's on the floor. Yeah, sure. He's kind of got that Iowa strong thing. I least lived in Iowa for a while. <laughs> there's something about being corn fed that uh, <laughs> I've got coached in that league, and it was a big physical league. There are a lot of grown men in that league, and and Mick brings that, and uh, and he's definitely tough and. And he definitely understands our concepts. This is his fourth year in the program now. And, uh, you know, he's, he's really committed to what we're doing. Yeah, it comes from the uh, same hometown as my wife. Uh, see, he was at Washington, I believe. My wife went to Kennedy. So the, the rivals there in Cedar, Cedar Rapids. But uh, I know she's, she's thrilled that a, a former uh, Cedar Rapidian is playing for uh, Colorado Mesa. We're talking with Mike DeGeorge, Maverick men's basketball coach, to get right ahead on the road to take on CSU Pueblo and also New Mexico Highlands on, on Friday and Saturday. And right now, 3-2 and two in the conference. I mean, it's been a, a good job these last three straight games, Mike, of, of getting things turned around for your basketball team. And I think you addressed part of that with, with taking a look at your rotation and, and how, uh, how that needed to be maybe tweaked a little bit. Yeah, and I don't know that we're done figuring it out. I think that, you know, in each of those last three games that we've won, there were periods where we were really good and you could see what we could become. And then there were also stretches where we were, were not good enough. And, um, you know, so it's one about reaching that level of consistency Two, still kind of dealing with this RMAC game plan where they just swarmed the basketball and really forced us to make shots. So how can we get enough shooting on the floor, uh, you know, and uh, still be able to be a good defensive team? Because as we've, added more shooting to the lineup, our defensive numbers haven't been quite as good. And so, you know, we have to find that balance and, um, you know, and then just that level of consistency. So on Friday, it's you had to, um, sorry, to take on CSU Pueblo. They're 6-5 and five overall. They're 2-3 and three in the conference right now. And uh, they've dropped two straight. They, they lost to 12th-ranked Fort Lewis, 69-65, and then lost one at Rapid City to South Dakota Mines in overtime, 81 to 76. So a, a team that's uh, looking to try to snap a two-game losing streak when they take on your Mavericks. Yeah, they're very good. They have their core group back from last year, and if, uh, it, we played them at our place. And um, you know they they were up big at the at the at the half, and we really had to fight. I mean, it was an incredible effort in that second half for us to come back and win that game. Uh, and they've added some some really quality pieces as well. And they're just a year older uh last year they didn't defend great you know they were in the lower tier of defending of, of and defensive numbers in our league and this year they're one of the top defensive teams in the league so they've really committed at that end and they have great athletes and liam romero's their kind of lead guard that makes him go and he can really score and he really went off against us in that first half last year and um, you know, so they're a dynamic team that'll be a big challenge for us. Like you mentioned, they've uh, made uh, big strides defensively. They're second in the conference in uh, in defense right now in terms of scoring defense. Uh, Leon Romero, as you mentioned, uh, player that's a year better, averaging almost 14 points per game. Meekness Payne is at 12.7 points per game. 
and uh, Makesh Morris at uh, almost 12 points per game. So those three guys have led the way in terms of being their, their double-digit scorers, Mike. Yeah, and uh, Payne's a big physical guy, and he had a good game against last year as well. Inside, he can kind of play in and out. And then uh, Morris is, is new, and, and he's really added another element to them, provided a little bit more shooting uh, for them, and uh, and is a good defender as well. So they And then they just have a bunch of bigs that are long and athletic and, and uh, create real problems for you in their finishing. Codron Mesa men's basketball coach Mike DeGeorge with us today on the Team Sports Network. And then Saturday, you go to Las Vegas, New Mexico to take on Highlands. Mike Dominguez uh, was on the staff previously, of course, uh, one of the all-time great Maverick basketball players as well during his career. And uh, so Mike's basketball team, uh, a team with with Dante uh, Moses that is uh, averaging 22.7 points per game, uh, one of the, the outstanding scores in the RMAC this season. It's always a tough one when you go to Las Vegas to take on Highlands. I think Mike's done a nice job of turning that program around. Yeah, they had a, like a senior-laden group last year that struggled early because coming out of the pandemic, they didn't play at all. They didn't practice or play the year before. So they got up to a slow start last year, um, and then they really finished uh, strong, and then that group graduated, and now he's got a new group in. And so he's kind of on the opposite side of the pandemic that we were on. You know, we kind of got a group in right before it hit, and then we got to play through it. He had this veteran group, and they didn't even get to practice really during during that whole year. So uh, it's kind of been tough timing for them. But he's got a young, uh, new group that's very talented, uh, and uh, they can really score the basketball, and, and they're a very dangerous team. Yeah, 5-7 and seven, uh, overall right now. They're 3-3. Three and three in conference play, and uh, they've uh, split in their last four games. They're coming off a win against South Dakota Mines, 82-80. to What are some of the changes you've seen, Mike? Uh, you mentioned that was a senior-laden team, senior team last year. Some of the, the challenges, some of the things that the Mike's had to kind of tweak with this basketball team as opposed to what he had last year. Well, they're playing a similar style that the you know, they had a, like a 6'9 center who transferred, who's a, like a on the all-freshman team at Boston College last year, you know, it, as a senior who bounced around a little bit, who's very talented, uh, but maybe wasn't as consistent. It's so always trying to figure out what to do with him. And then they had this elite shooting guard who'd also uh, been at a couple of different places. But when he got going, you just couldn't stop him. This year, they're a little bit more balanced. Uh, you know, they're defending better, uh, and I think they're big, shoot it better from the perimeter. So. You know, they, they create some different challenges, but they're still, you know, kind of pressing and, and staying within that whole system. Uh, and, and his personnel really fits their style of play. Conrad Mesa men's basketball coach Mike DeGeorge with us on the Team Sports Network. Uh, of course, these are the first games after the holiday break. Uh, what's, what's the plan always for you to try to get the rust knocked off as quick as possible? For since, I mean, you're playing Friday and Saturday, guys are getting back to work, you know, you know early in the week. Is there is there a formula that, that helps maybe get that uh, get guys back into the swing of things? Gets that not that rust knocked off? Have you do you have a a plan that you use every time when it comes out of the salt when you come out of the holiday break to, to kind of get guys back well, into the swing of things? Yeah, it's a really tough deal because uh, I've overreacted to it and we've practiced too hard some years and then we end up uh, on that second day with dead legs, uh, which isn't good. And then you know I've underreacted to it some years and we kind of tried to take it easy on them and kind of ease into things and then we really weren't in game 
you know, sort of toughness mode yet. And so what I found kind of works best. And here it was totally outside of our control because the NCAA has this mandatory seven days off that ended yesterday. So today's the first day anybody, any Division two in the country can practice. So everybody's in the same boat that we all get three days and then we have to play, and we've all had a pretty long break. And so, um, you know, our, I think what works best is, number one, is the guys do some stuff during the break. <laughs> so what we tried to get them to do is, like, listen, you need a mental break, but you can't lose it physically. So what we tried to get them to do is kind of do something every other day. And if they just got a ball in their hands and got some conditioning and did a uh, lift or, and shot a little bit, like every other day, that makes a big difference. And then, you know, the, our goal will be to go short so they don't lose their legs, but intense so they get back into the right frame of mind uh, these next three days and, uh, you know, slowly kind of work our way back in. And the other thing you can do, which we will do, we have, we're fortunate enough to, be able to do that. We will play a few more guys this weekend. Uh, we're not going to go down to like a seven or eight man rotation, uh, you know, we'll probably try to play 10, 11 guys this weekend, try to limit guys' minutes just a little bit. Um, if we Hopefully we're in a position to do that. And one of the things I, I've kind of noticed this year, you know, Elijah Knutson had a good game against Adam State. He had nine points. Mentioned Mick McCurry and the, and the job that he did. And, you know, Owen Kuntz coming off the bench. I mean, it, it seems like right now you, you have more depth than you've maybe had in a couple of seasons. And, and, and so that's certainly plays you know plays well for you right now considering you know some guys might have be a little a uh, little rusty and maybe not quite in in normal shape after coming off the holiday break it's kind of a nice luxury to have some of this depth that you have right now yeah and you know uh sam goulet has given us some good minutes yeah. and <clears throat> kind of been out of the mix since we uh since uh we had that bad weekend and uh christian speller got an opportunity early and and he has not played significant minutes of late but both those guys are capable of helping us uh, as well. And so, you know, we'll just kind of see how things progress here over these next few weeks. But it would be great uh, if we're in a position to go a little deeper this weekend and uh, continue to try to figure out exactly what combinations are working the best for us. I mean, it is one of the challenges when you have a little bit more depth is you got to figure out it's not just about the five best players. It's about the five that play best together. And I still think uh, we're kind of working that out. We had an interesting, if you look at our plus-minus, all of the guys off the bench have a plus. But when they're in the game, we have a positive, and all of our starters are negative, which was really surprising to me, other than Mac Brenneker, uh, uh, who's, uh, who's one of, you know, he just impacts the games in ways that it's hard to quantify, but you know he's impacting it. And, um, and so he's a positive. Now, part of that is, is that, you know, um, we've played our bench more minutes against some of the, the lesser opponents we've had when we've kind of had big leads. And so they've, they're in more of a plus situation, but you know, there's some things for us still to work out and we have small sample sizes. So it's a little hard to know for sure uh, what, what combinations are working the best for us right now. We'll have coverage of both Maverick basketball games, CSU Pueblo Friday and New Mexico Island Saturday. Women's pregame uh, starts at 2.45, and, or 1.45, excuse me, with the women tipping it off at 2, both days, the men at 4 o'clock. We'll have coverage right here on the Team CMU Sports Network. Mike, I always appreciate the time. Thank you so much. All right, thanks, Jim. Happy holidays. You too. Take care. Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Maverick men's basketball team. All right, coming up, we'll have our Broncos report. 850 KOA's Mike Rice. That's on the way. Brought to you by... 
Gallagher's Flooring and Modern Classic Motors. That's on the way on the other side on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Yeah, I think they're like the best on the radio. At least at the pro level, the best of the best. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Time to get in the huddle with the Broncos Radio Network's Mike Rice on the team. And with us right now from 850KOA, Mike Rice. Good morning, Mike. Hope you and the family had a wonderful Christmas. We did, Jim. Thank you. And I hope the same for all you guys. And kind of a low-key, you know, day or two afterwards, nothing much going on, I guess. Yeah, nothing. Nothing going on other than Nathaniel Hackett getting fired. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, oh. Is there, yeah, is there was that. Broncos news yesterday? Yeah, there's a, there was a little Broncos news yesterday. Uh, it seemed like, you know, the, the Rippin' Reisner dust-up, that, that kind of played a role. Randy Gregory punching one of the Rams linemen, you know, during the, the handshake line. That it kind of made ownership go, maybe Nathaniel Hackett has lost this football team finally. And with two games left in the season, they decided to, to pull the trigger and fire him. Jerry Rosberg will take over for the final two games. Just your, Were you surprised that they made that move yesterday? I mean, like I think Buckeye makes a good point that if it's 31-14 maybe you know maybe Hackett stays for the final two games but when it's 51 on the scoreboard and those things happened that probably they were in the position where they they had to make a move and that move was firing Nathaniel Hackett it was complete embarrassment in every respect on the field it was beyond disappointing off the field as you said the sideline altercations the scuffle after the game involving Randy Gregory and the Rams player, uh, Coach Hackett not really stepping in to do anything about either of those situations. And maybe he didn't see the sideline stuff. That is possible during the game when a coach is focused on what's going on on the field. But it, And national television, Christmas Day game. Oh, and by the way, the two ownership groups are related. Yeah. So th- there's just no redeeming quality to that day for the Broncos, and it was, I think, just the latest examples of a season completely off the rails, and I think the move had to be made, if for no other reason for the fan base, Jim, I really believe this, and Dave Logan said it on our air yesterday, and I completely agree with Dave, I believed it before he said it, it was it was something that just had to be done, and you don't, I don't know if there's going to be any fewer no-shows for the final game against the Chargers, but if nothing else, you don't want another eighteen or twenty-five or thirty thousand no-shows. That's just a bad look for a home game. The tickets are sold, all of that. The ticket revenue is not a big piece of the financial pie anyway. Look, I mean, it was just time. It was it was time that the Broncos move on, and now the energy and the focus can be on moving on. Mike Rice, 850 KOA Broncos Radio Network with us today on the Team Sports Network. And whoever it is that takes over for Nathaniel Hackett, they're connected to Russell Wilson, as Hackett was connected to Russell Wilson. And fixing Russell Wilson is going to be key to the success of whoever comes in. I guess just your thoughts on on who do you think that someone is? Who do you think the Broncos... I mean, obviously, Sean Payton's a name that's going to be out there. A lot of people are going to want Payton. 
Uh, the Cowboys, certainly, if things don't go the way I think Jerry wants them to in the playoffs, Mike McCarthy could be gone, though I think Mike McCarthy is making a pretty good case you know, to keep his job in Dallas. But there's a relationship there with, with uh, Sean Payton and, and Jerry Jones during Sean's time previously in Dallas. What direct, direction do you think this ownership group goes? This this is their first rodeo hiring a coach, though they have George Payton there who will be uh, involved in that process. Well, I I start thinking about this by thinking about what I don't think the Broncos should do, and I realize I'm nobody to tell Greg Penner and company what to do or not do, but my opinion would be I think any first-time NFL head coach is off the table, completely off the table. And I know guys like Kellen Moore uh, seemingly have a bright future as a head coach in the National Football League, or Shane Steichen, or those kind of coaches who have done very good work over some amount of time. But the Broncos are past the point of being able to roll the dice on this. They have to get a guy who has had some degree of success as a head coach. I would put Frank Reich in that category. I would put Dan Quinn in that category. Those two would be below the two top guys, which the names are out there. Sean Payton, as you mentioned, Jim, and Jim Harbaugh as well who, of course, is coaching Michigan. Harbaugh wanted to come back to the NFL last year. It didn't work out with Minnesota. I don't know how interested either would be in the Broncos' situation. It's not an attractive job. It's a mess on more than one level, from the roster to the quarterback situation to the drafts capital situation to the salary cap situation. So there are a lot of things working against the Broncos that weren't working against them as recently as the time Nathaniel Hackett got hired. But I think you reach out to Sean Payton's reps and say, if we could arrange it, would he want to be here? Would he want to come and try and and be the head coach here? And then you have to determine, do we have the draft capital to trade for New Orleans, and what would that mean yeah. <laughs> to Sean Payton's interest? And same with Jim Harbaugh. I don't think it's a given that either of those guys – would want to come to Denver to coach the Broncos. You know they're going to get a long-term deal, but would they be attractive? Would it be an attractive enough situation given all of the mess that's gone on in the last year? Yeah. I don't know. It could be a really tough sell for, for either, I think so. either I think one it could of those be guys. A tough sell, but maybe not an impossible one. Yeah, very, very true. Mike Rice, 850 KOA, Broncos Radio Network. And... But like we're saying, whoever comes in, I mean, their their success is going to be tied somewhat to Russell Wilson. And I guess whoever comes in, does this now become a situation where maybe maybe with Hackett being a first year coach, he wanted he wanted this collaborative effort with Russell Wilson, respected him, wanted to appreciate the fact that Russ didn't feel appreciated by Pete Carroll and in, in, in Seattle, and that's why that they their relationship came to an end. But I think having Russ involved with the offense, at least at least what we are told anyway, to the level that he was, this obviously didn't work out. There was never there was a lot of disconnect. I mean, from from game one, that Monday night game in Seattle, Mike, and I guess just what do you think the role will be of Russell Wilson with whoever the next head coach is, especially if it's somebody like Frank Reich, whose you know his background is obviously on the offensive side of the ball. So let's start with the search. I don't think Russell Wilson Wilson should have any input whatsoever on you know who the next head coach mm-hmm. should be or who he wants or should ownership ask Russell to sign off. The Broncos' ownership 
This was more from the ownership side than George Payton's side. Wanted to get ahead of the market and uh, and and gave Russell Wilson the contract extension before the season started. There was trust there. I think Russell Wilson needs to show the same trust in believing that whoever the new head coach that the ownership group decides to hire, the, the number one priority is how do we, what is our strategy, the new head coach and whoever the OC will be, what is their strategy to get Russell Wilson playing better football? Back to what he was a few years ago, as recently as last year in Seattle, because he was pretty good last year when he wasn't hurt. And so there needs to be that trust. And then, as I just mentioned, the, new, the, the number one priority of the new coaching staff, head coach OC, has to be getting Russell Wilson right. Jim, this is a matter of debate. There are a lot of people who think Russell Wilson is washed and he has no good football left, and this is what the Broncos are destined to get or whoever is destined to get if it's not the Broncos for the rest of Russell Wilson's career. I'm not ready to go there, and the Broncos can't afford to be ready to go there because there is simply too much money to be tied up, or that is tied up in Russell Wilson. They have to hope that Russell Wilson has better football in him. I have to believe that he does. I don't know if it's elite football, but if it's pretty good football and you build around him, I think you know the Broncos have some pieces moving forward. Maybe not as many as we thought offensively before the year, but defensively they seem to be pretty sound. Uh, but if they get Russell Wilson playing like he can, that is the number one priority this offseason, without a doubt. Yeah, Broncos, have, for some reason, they decided to part with Russell Wilson. They take a $107 million cap hit. And Impossible. That's, that's not. They're not going to do that. I mean, it's you know, 2023. Russell Wilson will be this team's starting quarterback, and whoever comes in will will hopefully be able to fix some of those problems. Which also, I think Russell Wilson, you know, has to fix those problems. And you know, I, I listened to the game on 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 Sunday, but also watched some and heard what Tony Romo had to say of just Russ being just almost hell bent like him being ultra aggressive at times where. Take take the throw in the flat. Take the check down. Uh, just you know, not not trusting what he's seeing or not not reading defense as well. A lot of this is also in Russell Wilson too. To be a better better quarterback heading into next season, new coach, new scheme. Certainly, those things help that play to his strengths. But also Russell Wilson doing some really deep self evaluation about what needs to be better and and maybe. You know, I I don't know. I mean, I feel like he's surrounded himself by a lot of people that are his people, and maybe they keep telling him the things that he that they feel like he wants to hear. He needs to start listening to somebody else because this year was an absolute disaster for Russell Wilson. By far the worst worst season of his career. It was, and I think I think there's truth to everything you're saying. And I I would say this, and you know, he's going to be on the roster, and. I agree that most likely he's going to be the starter, at least at the beginning of the season. But you know what? Uh, this is the National Football League. If you don't play well, you don't play. And I think the new coach, the new head coach, and the new OC, but mainly the new head coach, and backed by the ownership group, has to somehow clearly deliver the message that if Russell Wilson plays like this again next year, Russell Wilson will be on the bench as a very, very expensive backup quarterback. I think we're at that place. 
I don't think the Broncos can afford any more experimentation in terms of waiting and hoping that things work out. That was this year, and it was an abject failure in every respect on every level. And so when that happens, uh, changes get made, and changes are also made in the way things are done. And I, I think the question is, you know, to what degree will, what, will Russell Wilson adapt? I think he'll adapt very well. I'd be very disappointed if, if he didn't. How hot is the seat for George Payton now? I think it's hot if Russell Wilson can't be fixed because then clearly the trade was just completely wrong. And even though, and I've heard the argument, I've made the argument on the air on Broncos React that, look, everybody thought it was a good trade, and that's true. Every, nobody foresaw this kind of decline this quickly in Russell Wilson. Nobody saw this kind of year coming, and I know the injuries were probably a factor for a few weeks and maybe to a deeper degree than any of us knew, but the fact of the matter is Russell Wilson has played very, very poor football this year, and, and it has not gone according to plan. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is George Payton made the trade, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't matter what the rest of us think. The fact of the matter is if it turns out to be a disaster of a trade, then yes, that is a move that hamstrings the organization moving forward. And if you're the ownership group, that has to put George Payton on the hot seat. At the same time, Jim, I, and I have to say this to ramble a little bit more, there is, there's merit to, you know, you cannot fire everybody every single year when things don't go right. At some point, there has to be some kind of continuity. Now, this is a new ownership group. How much freedom they give George Payton, how much leeway they give him if Russell Wilson doesn't pan out next year, I don't know. But at some point, you have to stick with what you think is the plan because the word on the street right now is, if I go to Denver, I'm going to get a year. And quite honestly, with the mess they're in, that's not nearly long. Yeah, yeah that's, that's going to be tough. Once again, it, it makes, it's another thing that makes this job difficult to sell to somebody. When you, when you fired a guy, first ever Broncos coach in his first year to be fired in season, that makes it tough. It really does. But uh, we'll see how this plays out. I know we're happy for our buddy Ben Steele yeah. now taking over as the offensive line coach. I wish it was under different circumstances for Ben, uh, more of a, a, a somewhat guaranteed future for Ben moving forward, but hopefully he'll make the most out of it over the next uh, two games. Hey, Mike, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Of course, uh, we'll have Mike's report later on today. Jerry's Pest Control and ComWest bring that to you coming up right around 420 today. Mike, I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, you got it, guys. Thanks to you. We'll talk to you on Thursday. All right, take care. Mike Rice, 850 KOA Broncos Radio Network. Of course, we'll have the Broncos and the Chiefs coming up Sunday. Countdown to kickoff at 9, kickoff at 11, Broncos and Chiefs right here on the Team Sports Network. Speaking of the Chiefs, I have uh, a couple Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes comps if you want them real quick. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Russell Wilson this season is 3-10 and 10 as a starting quarterback, and the team has scored 199 points in those 13 games. Patrick Mahomes since Thanksgiving is 4-1 and one with 135 points scored. Hmm. And those same numbers, along with Russell's 12 yeah. touchdowns to nine interceptions on the season, Patrick Mahomes, strictly in AFC West play, has more wins, four, fewer losses, zero, 12 touchdowns, three interceptions. Yeah. 
121 points scored in just four oh, AFC West oh, games. Stop, stop. The Broncos stop. have 199 oh. in 13 Russell Wilson. Oh, just stop. I have a lot more, actually. No, it's okay. Uh, Carlos Correa has two separate $300 million contracts this month. Russell Wilson has only won three <laughs> games this season. That's a good one. Thanks, thanks for sharing that as well. I got uh, Jalen Hurts, Jared Goff, no, okay. Rogers, I Joe think, Burrow, Baker Mayfield. I think you've I think you made your point. Thank you. Thank you. Think you made your point. And this applies because they just played him. Baker Mayfield's Ram touchdown to interception ratio was four point zero. He's essentially two and one as the starter, even though he didn't start the first game. Right. But he's two and one. He won that game. Yeah. The Thursday night game. Russell's three and one point three touchdowns to interceptions. We'll talk more about it coming up. Yes, let's. We'll have pole dancing. We'll have our uh, top five NFL, top five Broncos coaching prospects, and our top five best sports stories of twenty twenty two. These are and, and local there, slash regional Colorado. Yes, just yeah, local, regional mm-hmm. like Avs won the cup, things like that. Jokic. Back-to-back MVPs, yeah. things like that. So we'll have that coming up. Uh, we got one. I think Patrick the Starfish could have done a better job coaching in post-game <laughs> press conference. <laughs> did you catch that, the Nickelodeon? Yes, I did. It was pretty good. What do you think Think about Dave Logan as an NFL head coach? He's not going to want to do it. No. That that ship sailed on, on Dave being a college coach. Yeah. Because he had talked to Northern Colorado at one point. That didn't work out. I mean, his name is seems like forever been linked to the, the Buffs job, where obviously he was all big eight wide receiver when he played there. Yeah, I I don't think... Dave Logan at this stage of his life has, I think, zero desire to be an NFL head coach. I think he's quite happy calling games, coaching Cherry Creek. He's won now 11 state titles. But, I mean... I, I like Dave Logan, and Dave's a, a heck of a high school football coach. But why would Dave Logan, I mean, just because what Dave calls the games, and he played for the Broncos briefly. I think and, that and, might and be the part Creek. of his high school coaching success, although that's but, a different animal than the But NFL. I'm sorry, that's an, entirely, that's an entirely different animal, folks. I'm sorry. Like, I'm not saying he can't do it or wouldn't be good at it. I just think at this point, his age, why would he want to? Well, number one, I don't think he has any interest. Number two, mm-hmm. I, I want somebody that's coached at least at the college level, at least yeah. Division One, and I want somebody that's coached in a Power Five conference before I'm even going to consider them as being a college coach, the little coach in the pros. Mm-hmm. And Dave, Dave hasn't done that. I like Dave. See, we've had him on the show. We're going to maybe try to get him on again here before the season ends or maybe right after the season ends, hopefully. But I just, everybody else always had this fascination with Dave Logan being a head coach. Coach the Broncos, coach the Buffs. Well, the jump from high school to coaching the Buffs would still be pretty big. That's a pretty big, you know, normally you would want to mm-hmm. go maybe coach at a, a D2, maybe even an FCS was a Jerry Moeller that coached in Notre Dame yeah. after a successful high school coaching career and was an absolute failure. And Moeller was one of the winningest high school football coaches in the country. 
Not a lot of people make that step up from high school head coach to college head coach to big-time college head coach to NFL head coach. Usually your head coaches start at very low-level assistants at the current yeah. level of football that they're at. Yeah. Dave would have went on to be a wide receiver coach or something. Mm-hmm. He probably would have, you know, after his career ended, right. got a job in the league, wide receiver coach, maybe becomes an OC or assistant OC. But, like, and, Urban and, Meyer started his tenure as a coach at, like, Ohio State, Colorado State. You know, big-time college football, CSU, it's a power. But, it's a group of five, but it's 1A. Nick back, Saban, back then, the, when he was there, the golf was not as, not as huge, not as big as it is you know, now. But like nobody's going to go from head coach, jump a level head coach, jump a level head coach. It's just not going to happen. No, it's just not. It's you're you're not going to go. I mean, no matter how successful Dave has been at, at Cherry Creek and Mullen and A West, that at this point in time, particularly at this stage of his life, yeah, where. I just don't. I, I think if they came calling and go, I think I'm good. I think he he's he's been there every week to see this, and I think he's probably like, I'm not this juncture of my life. I'm not the guy to yeah, fix this. I don't this. need that. I'm not the guy that that's going to fix this. I think he enjoys coaching high school football. He's got a good situation with a really great staff around him. That when he has to go cover the Broncos, that obviously they don't miss a beat because they won five A championship again. But yeah, I don't think there's any. Any scenario where Dave Logan goes from being a high school football coach and broadcaster to being the coach of the Broncos. And so we got a couple of, got one more, Larry from Clifton, Frank Reich or Sean Payton. We'll uh, have our uh, pole dancing coming up in a moment. We'll have our, our suggestions, how we have them ranked for who should be in the running for the Broncos head coaching job. That's coming up next here on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. That's just crap. The team presents The Jim Davis Show On Colorado's sports leader The team We got it together, didn't we? Alright, coming to the stage It's Amber Remember everybody, $14 Kamikaze Let me ask you a question Do I make you horny, baby? Do I? I mean, really, when you really sit and think about it Isn't it really, really Get those dollar bills out. It's time for pole dancing. I can easily feel myself slipping more and more away. All right, it's time for our top five NFL, top five Broncos coaching candidates, and our top five favorite local regional stories for 2022. All right, by the way, holiday holiday edition of our program. Mm-hmm. Easy for me to say. Uh, we'll be wrapping it up here in just a few minutes. Uh, the uh, Camilla Bowl coming up at 10 this morning. So uh, we'll yeah. have that for you. A couple of uh, Alabama-based bowl games. The Camellia Bowls. I mean, so the Camellia Bowl. I can say Camilla. The Camellia Bowl. Thank you. And then, you're welcome. And then the Independence Bowl in Birmingham, right? Yes. So a couple of, uh, you got a couple Alabama bowl games based this morning, right? That would be correct. There you go. All Look right. at that. So it's our top five from NFL coaching mm-hmm. Bronco, Broncos coaching candidates and our favorite stories. Let's get it started with our top five NFL with an honorable mention. And my honorable mention is the Minnesota Vikings. They do it again, though, right? Yeah. They, they, but it just, you feel like 
They still feel fraudulent. They Yeah, you just feel like they're a team that they're just on the cusp of getting a short stay in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But they get the win against the Giants. Number five, I, I want to have them higher. But I'm going to go with San Francisco as my number five team right now. Yeah, my honorable mention is Cincinnati. Joe Burrow's 12 touchdowns since Thanksgiving equals Russell Wilson's since, since Labor Day. And then number five, I also have the San Francisco 49ers. Brock Purdy this season, 3-0. and oh. Russell Wilson, 3-1-0. and one oh. Yeah, the Purdy with the two long touchdown passes to George Kittle and the one over the Commanders mm-hmm. on Saturday. He's played really, really well. Yep. I've got Cincinnati number four. I mean, they've well, they won seven straight now. Mm-hmm. And while it wasn't pretty, they, they blew a big lead against New England. Needed a Patriots fumble in the red yep. zone to get the win. That, I mean, Lyle Collins being out for the year, that hurts that offensive line in a big, big way. But, uh, you know, they, they're still very much in, in the hunt for a, maybe the number one seed in the AFC right now. Yeah, and uh, my number four team, I have Philadelphia. They lost. Don't really want to ding them for an injured quarterback and a loss with a backup, but that's an issue going forward is Jalen Hurts' health. How Hurts' is is Hurts. I have Philadelphia number four. I thought they did a nice job of, of adapting, really well. that, adapting that offense to what Gardner, Gardner Minshew, Minshew does. does well. Minshew, I think, showed some people. He... He could be a starter in this league still. Yeah. I really I really think that. I've got Kansas City as my number three team number right three. now. I've got them number three. The defense still is concerning. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they got they got the win against Seattle at Arrowhead on Sunday, 24-10. Obviously, their whole, their offense is the number one offense in the league. I just feel like their their defense is still an Achilles heel for Andy Reid's football team. Yeah, I like I like KC better. Uh, Maybe he needs to write more, yeah. draw more mustaches on the defense. Maybe I Get like fired the, up. My number three team is a team that just beat Philadelphia. Dallas Cowboys playing really yeah. well, and they're eleven and four this season. Yeah, I, I don't have them in my top five. I just <gasps> I don't. I'm not buying the Cowboys yet. Maybe they should be a co honorable mm-hmm. mention with Minnesota. I've got Buffalo as my number two team right now. I I'm still very bullish on the Bills. Yeah. I have I mean, uh, Buffalo number two as well. Yeah, you know, look, they you know they had to go to Soldier Field. The the Bills. It was you know cold game. They're they're used to playing in the cold, no doubt about that. And, and you know, it wasn't wasn't the prettiest win in the world, but they did a good job of shutting down Justin Fields in that game. You know, but still, I think the concern is Josh Allen. Has been a turnover machine as of late. Yeah, that is a that is a problem for them. And their defense can only hold out so long when that yeah. happens, and they can only get bailed out by great plays so long. I have them number two. I have Kansas City number one. I mean, I've got Philadelphia still number one. I mean, they they played a really good Cowboys team, even though I don't think they're good enough to be in my top five. But um, with with their backup and Gardner Minshew, who did not play poorly at all in that game, I still I, I'm with you though. If Jalen Hurts is on the shelf for very long. So much of what they do is predicated on his ability in the quarterback run game. Mm-hmm. Gardner Minshew's fine, would be fine for most teams at that quarterback spot. And he still played well against Dallas, but 
what really hurts them because you take his ability, take Hertz's running ability out, and that, that creates a problem. Yeah, it really does. I have Kansas City, my number one. Team. Okay. So, Broncos coaching candidates. I've got Sean Payton and honor, Sean Payton honorable mention because number one, is he interested? Number two, are you going to have the draft capital to go get him? That's a problem. I've got Brian Callahan. He's my only would be first time head coach on here. Mm-hmm. OC for the Bengals. Done some creative things. There was Zach Taylor, yeah, Joe Burrow, Jim Harbaugh. I know you hate it. Harbaugh's resume is pretty darn good. Leslie Frazier, he one time. He gets off to a 3-10 and ten start. I'd love it. <laughs> Leslie Frazier, former Vikings head coach. Done a nice job with the Bills. Dan Quinn, who was one of the finalists for the Broncos job. Mm-hmm. And then I have Frank Reich as my, my number one choice. Uh, my only real first-timer that's not an honorable mention is Daryl Bevel. Uh, my honorable mention is Deion Sanders. Why not? And then uh, Raheem Morris, Sean Payton, Dan Quinn, Daryl Bevel, because he worked well with Russell Wilson, and then Frank Reich. You've been putting back Oops. a few, and a Oops. few become... Oops, pardon me. There we go. Okay, quickly, our favorite sports stories. I actually got six here. Palisade Volleyball making state again. Jokic winning back-to-back MVP. Delta's football run. Palisade State baseball run. Broncos getting Wilson, though it's not looking great right now. And the Avs winning the cup, kind of in, in that order. What about you? Oops, sorry. Let's and we're out of time. <laughs> well, maybe you can do yours tomorrow. How about okay. that? All right, that's our show. See you back here tomorrow morning at 7.